Well, as we enter into our last session, let's take our Bibles and make our declarations before our wonderful Heavenly Father, before each other, and before our adversary. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can have what it says I can have. I can be what it says I can be. And I can do what it says I can do. All right, one, just, one, just one more time. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I better have what it says I can have. I better be what it says I can be. And I better do what it says I can do. Let's give God a clap offering for the written word. Hallelujah. You know what the word says you can do, don't you? It says that you can go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Oh. Is that what it says? Is that what we need to be doing? Absolutely. One of my favorite things to do is cast out devils. I love doing that. Oh, sister, that sounds so morbid. Oh, no. When you see the freedom that it brings, how can you not love doing that? You see, I know where I was. I was so bound. I, I'm telling you, I was bound, bound, bound. But my Jesus set me free. And it took a lot of deliverance of doors I had opened up and of generational things that had come down on top of me and then I opened the doors to that stuff, it took several times for me to get set free. And I know how I was, the, the, all the emotional and mental garbage that was swirling around in who I was, and I know what that freedom brings. So I have a passion to see people set free. It's real simple. And Jesus is our model. If you wonder how to do something, you open your Bible and you watch Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see how he responds to each situation. And you see what he does and what he says. And then you're to do likewise. Because he is our model. And one thing that he said that should be burned into each one of our hearts is, he said, I do not do anything that I don't see my Heavenly Father do. And I do not speak anything except what I hear my Heavenly Father speak. Now those two things will cause you great success walking in the kingdom of God. But if you go against those two things, you're going to run into a brick wall, splat, and slide down a greasy little puddle. So, if you will just remember, what would Jesus do? That WWJD is pretty good. And I know it was a fad for bracelets and necklaces and all and t-shirts and all that, but it is the absolute truth. What would Jesus do in this situation? And then you pray and you ask, Father, what is it you're doing that I need to do? Is that simple? It's pretty simple. But yet we forget that when we get into situations and we get all this head knowledge up here and then we rush in and we start doing before we start praying. I am so guilty of that. 
But I've learned over the years to pray first and be obedient. It just keeps you out of trouble a lot. Jesus knew who he was. Now let me just ask you, do you know who you are? We sang just a moment ago, I am a friend of God. Do you realize that that is the truth? Has that revelation exploded in your spirit that you are actually a friend of the one who spoke all these millions of universes into existence that for some reason he chose planet earth to create humans in his own image and made a way that we might be his friend? That shorts my mind. I can't even hardly wrap it around that truth. But it is the truth. We are his friend. Jesus knew who he was. He was challenged by his religious peers. He was challenged by the ones in authority over him. He was challenged even by his disciples, his friends, and he was certainly challenged by the devil. So as we walk along in this thing we call life and we're born again now, we are going to be challenged in who we are. We're going to be put into a situation and it is a challenge to see if we're going to rise up and be the daughter of the Most High. Will we rise up and be the one to take this circumstance and make it right through the anointing and the empowering of Holy Spirit? Will we be the ones? Do you know who you are? Jesus knew why he was here. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. He came for purpose, and he never veered off of that purpose. Even though you read right before he was cruelly crucified, you find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood under great duress and stress and agony in soul, he said, if there's any other way, can we do that? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I find it interesting that when God created an Adam and Eve, he set them in a garden, gave them authority in the garden, and they lost it in the garden. But when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, it was over. That won the war. That decision right there to do the Father's will, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the pain must be suffered, regardless of the physical pain, regardless of the emotional pain and trauma, regardless of all of that, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Victory was right there. The rest was walking it out. When you make your mind up that you're going to do exactly what God is telling you to do, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the emotional pain you might experience, regardless of whatever, you're going to do exactly what he says, your victory is right there. Right there at that moment of decision. The rest is is walking it out. You know, the enemy tried Jesus in so many different ways. He challenged him on his identity. He challenged him for his purpose. But Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. And then he turned around and gave it to his followers. 
He said, the keys of death, hell, and the grave have been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he turned around, told his people, you go, you go, you go. I give you authority. I give you authority over devils. I give you authority over sickness. I give you authority over nature. You go. And sisters, you be one of them. The authority has been given to you when you said, I want Jesus as Lord. In, in Luke 10, the disciples, after they were given authority, they went off and did what Jesus told them. And they came back and, whoo, they were just happy, happy, happy. They, yeah, they were sharing war stories. Yeah, you know that little girl? I mean, ooh, she had lots of demons in her. I mean, you know, they were just sharing stories. Yeah, you know, we pray for this guy. He didn't have an arm and out it grew. I mean, they were just sharing stories. And Jesus said, don't rejoice over that, but rejoice because your name is written in in the book of life. How about that? Isn't that great? Glory to God. In Acts 16, you read of an interesting story. Paul, by this time, had been, was Saul, now Paul, born again, on fire for Jesus, going around preaching the good news of Jesus, being severely persecuted, and having all kinds of fun in the Holy Spirit. And you find in there a story in that chapter of a girl following Paul, declaring the truth. But she was demon-possessed. And I've often wondered, well, why didn't he just take care of that the first day? Why didn't he just whip out his authority and take care of it the first day? I believe that Paul didn't do anything about it the first or second day because he hadn't got a command from the Holy Spirit yet. And then when the Spirit of God released him, he wheeled around and spoke to that demon in that girl, rebuked it out of her, and she was delivered. It goes back to being led by the Holy Spirit. I can tell you it is a process to learn. And he is a wonderful teacher. He is a very patient teacher. He is a very forgiving teacher. When we mess up, he cleans us up and sets us right back up and says, now let's do this again. Holy Spirit is wonderful. He is my best friend. Do I grieve him? I'm sure I do when I'm not obedient or when I run ahead of him and make a big fat mess and he has to clean it all up. But he is so kind and so forgiven. Isn't that great? He is wonderful. But do you remember watching Jesus again? Let's go back to our model, the one whom we best stick our lives pattern to. Jesus was going around healing all that was sick and oppressed. Isn't that what it says? Healing all that was sick and oppressed of demons. And in fact, John said, if everything that he had done had been written down in books, the world could not contain the books. Have you ever thought about that? And all we have is four little letters about what he did. But John said he did so much, if it had all been written down, it would be massive in volumes. But then you read something in there later in Acts. You read where a couple of the apostles were going to prayer and there was this man by the gate beautiful. What was he? A cripple, a beggar, couldn't walk. Well now, do you think Jesus walked by there often? Well, why didn't he heal him? I'm challenging your thinking. I believe he didn't heal him because he didn't see his father healing him as of that time. Father was saving it for the apostles to do. 
Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He said himself, everything that I'm doing, I'm doing it by the Spirit of God. And that's why he told us we could do what he was doing, because he was doing it by the Spirit of God. And I believe that Jesus did not heal that crippled man at the great beautiful while he was walking around and going to prayer and healing all these people everywhere. So many volumes and volumes and volumes could have been written. I believe that he did not see his father healing that man through him. But father had compassion on him, the beggar, and when the apostles were going for prayer, same path Jesus walked, he was begging, and the anointing came on that apostle, and he said, silver or gold, I don't have any, but what I do have, I give it to you. Get up and rise up and walk in Jesus' name. And the man was healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah being led by the Holy Spirit, hearing his voice, going under the unction, functioning under the unction of the Holy Spirit. I know a song about that too. Oh, I got the gumption for the unction to function. <laughs> Walking in God's victory. I got the gumption for the unction to function. Knowing my Jesus intimately. I've got the gumption for the unction to function. You love it? <laughs> Perfect ending. <laughs> I can confess to you many times I have gotten so ahead of the leadership of Holy Spirit that I have made some pretty big messes. But I can also tell you I'm learning, and I'm learning to hear his voice. I'm learning to be obedient quickly, and the more I do, the more I hear him. And that's just the way he works. My heart hunger is to pleasure him more. To see that I do what he's called me to do and to see people set free, that's my heart. Where do we have places of authority? Well, in Mark chapter 4, you see where the disciples and Jesus, Jesus had told the disciples, let's go to the other side. And so they all got in the boat, and they were on their way to the other side. And a storm blew in, and Jesus was extremely tired, so he was asleep. The storm was blowing, the water was coming over in the boat, and panic and fear was striking the hearts of the disciples. And one of them ran over there and shook Jesus and said, Master, Master, wake up! Don't you care? We're going to drown! He had forgotten that Jesus had said, let us go to the other side. You see, when we get in a storm, we forget what was told us. They forgot that the one who created the sea, the one who created the wind, was with them. He wasn't going to drown. They forgot that. And he gets up, he says to the wind, and the storm, peace, be still. Instantly. And then he turned around to them and said, where was your faith? In other words, I've given you authority over this. Where was your faith? How long? How long 
And sometimes in our goings, in our, our mandated destiny by the Lord, and these storms start swirling around, we forget he said to go. We forget he's the master over all. We get into fear instead of faith. Y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> but we need to press through and realize what we've been given. And we need to realize that we have been given what Jesus had. Where do we have all this authority over? Well, one place for sure, I can tell you, we have authority over our own body. We have authority over our own soul. We do. Before I was getting ready to come down here, a couple of my kids, they live, my oldest daughter lives in my backyard in a two-bedroom apartment. My son lives next door in a 102-year-old house and all my grandkids. But these two kiddos got very, very sick. Just put them in bed. Extremely sick. Well, the day before I was to leave here, I started getting the same symptoms. Now, let me tell you what I did because I know I have authority over my flesh. I said, flesh, you will not receive it. You will not receive that virus in Jesus' name. I refuse to receive that virus in Jesus' name. Went on about my way. I'm here. No sickness. Praise the Lord. We can take authority over our flesh. You see, some folks think it's just in temptation. No, it's over everything. We can take authority over our flesh. You know, our flesh is spoilt. It wants its own way, and it wants to succumb to whatever. But if we will realize who we are, we can take authority over it. We can also take authority over anything else Jesus tells us we can take authority over as led by the Holy Spirit. Let me just emphasize that again. We can take authority over anything Jesus tells us to take authority over as led by the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you an example. I mean, I was trying to think of an example this morning. I thought, okay, let's just scenario this, this guy gets hired on at the police academy and he's about to go to his first day at work. He dons on the uniform. What is that? Authority. He has his gun. He has his badge and he is ready. But let's just say this new fella, he just runs off and starts trying to do anything and everything. Is he going to splat? Mm-hmm. But a wise one will wait for orders. What am I supposed to be doing? And not move until the commander tells him what to do. You're to go over on that intersection and you're to direct traffic. Yes, sir. And over he goes, and he's got the authority, and he's got the whole police district behind him, and he puts his hand up, and the traffic stops. You get the picture? We're the same way. We're born again. We're made in the image of our Creator. We've received Holy Spirit. We have all authority on the planet. But until we get orders from Him about situations or things or whatever, then we best stand at attention and wait. And he'll certainly speak the orders when it's the right time. Say you're in a situation. You know you've got the authority. It would be best to say, Father, I know you've given me authority and I can take care of this, but you give me the strategy. 
You give me the plan. You tell me what to do, and I will do that. And then when he lays out the plan, when you step out in your God-given authority, then you have all of heaven backing you. I can tell you, if you get it in your head, you're going to do this just because you know you can and you've got the authority, etc., and you haven't been instructed by the commander, you're going to splat. But I can just tell you, even if you do splat, Holy Spirit, come on, let's get you back up. Come on, let's go here. I'm going to teach you. Now, you know what you did wrong. You didn't listen to me. You didn't, you didn't follow instructions, but we're going to, I'm going to dust you off right here now. Now, you okay? You okay? Okay, now here's what I want you to do. Then when you do that, it's going to be done. It's going to be very effective because you've been given the command. That makes sense. It keep you out of trouble. I can tell you from experience, <laughs> it'll keep you out of trouble. I know the ones that's been here before, you've heard this story probably every time you've come. I'm sorry, you're going to hear it again. And you new ones might enjoy it. I was brand new in the Lord. I've just been freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit and I was devouring the Word of God and I was beginning to see what had been given as a believer. One day, and my kids were little, I had an opportunity to get away from the house for a few minutes. You know what that feels like. I walked down to the creek, had a, a little waterfall. Now in Texas, if, if the water, it doesn't matter if it's only this big. It's water and it's falling over something. So I went down there, and I was enjoying. It was a beautiful place, big old trees. And in Texas, where I live, trees are uh, unique and sparse. And big old trees, because it was a spring-fed creek. This little waterfall made a beautiful little sound. And I was just sitting there enjoying the Lord, His presence, just thinking about all what He had done for me. So grateful, just enjoying Him. And I look up, and I see a rattlesnake coming at me. Now, they're usually not aggressive, but there have been occasions that they do get aggressive for some reason. I don't know. But here comes this snake. I look around. There is no place to get out of this little area except by the way that I came, and that snake is there. And he keeps coming, and I decide, well, I guess I'll try out what he's been showing me. I stood up, and I said, snake, I command you in the name of Jesus to turn around and go back the way you came. And guess what he did? He kept coming. (laughs) So I took another deep breath. Maybe he didn't hear me good. Snake, I command you in the name of Jesus to turn around and go back the way you came. Guess what he did? He kept coming. Now he's from here to about right there, coming at me. Then I sensed the anointing. And I said for the third time, Snake, I command you in the name of Jesus to turn around and go back the way you came. And you know what he did? I, didn't, I don't know if rattlesnakes do this. Typically, I've never known of them doing it. But this snake rose up like a cobra and stuck his tongue out at me, which I could see very clearly by this time. And he went down and he turned around and left the way he came. I went, oh, 
Thank you, Father. You see, he's given us authority over nature, over animals. Another one is about this same time he was still teaching me who I was in Jesus. I lived in a trailer house, a mobile home. It was narrow and long. They didn't make them wide back in the day. My kids were at school, and I noticed it was getting real dark, and it was about 2 in the afternoon, somewhere in there, 2, 3, somewhere. And I thought, man, we must be getting a rain cloud or something. And I opened up the back door. What I saw struck terror in my heart. It was the most horrible, boiling, black, and green cloud rolling straight toward our town. For those that live in Texas, especially West Texas, you know what that means. It means tornadoes. I had my hand on the door and I was looking and I'm thinking, oh my word, oh my goodness, because I was raised, you know, my daddy wasn't scared of clouds, so here I am from toddler on, standing out on the porch with daddy watching tornadoes zip by. Ooh, look at that one over there, yeah! I mean, that's what we did. So I'm normally not afraid of them, but this was a monster cloud. As I was standing there, I heard Holy Spirit say, Speak to the cloud. Tell it to divide in half, and half go to the south, and half to the north. Okay. So I took a deep breath, and I said, Cloud, I command you in the name of Jesus to split right down the middle, and half of you go to the south, and half of you go to the north. And I stood there, and instantly I saw that cloud split right where I had pointed. And half of it moved that way, and half of it moved that way. And there was tornadoes in both of those split-off cells. But Snyder was spared. Are you hearing me? He's given us authority. We just have to learn to hear him. We have to learn to listen. And we certainly have to be obedient to what we hear. I could tell you plenty more stories. But I'm just trying to give you examples that you can do what the Word of God says you can do. But the key to your victory is being obedient to the Spirit of God. Now, I've been in insurance for 30 years, and a good portion of that 30 years I spent doing house insurance and car insurance. With one company, I would have to go and measure the house. Every little square inch of it had to be measured and drawn off and pictures taken. And in many, many yards, I encountered dogs that were not friendly. At first, I didn't even want to go in, but I thought, you know what? I'm a child of the Most High. And if they bite me, they'll just go away singing, praise God, there's power in the blood. I mean, you know... But here's what I did. I just, before I opened the gate, this dog was big, you know, and we have a lot of pit bulls in our town, which I think should be illegal. I don't know what kind this one was, but I just said, I command you in the name of Jesus to shut up. You will not touch me. And I'd open the, it shut up, and I'd walk in the gate, measure the house, and walk out. You know, I don't know what to say. I just watched them do that. Boy, this woman's crazy. Yes, I am. I'm crazy for Jesus. In Africa, uh, we've been privileged to go over there six years now. This was maybe trip number three or four. But we lay hands and pray for the sick every town we go to. And we don't miss a person 
individually laying hands on hundreds and hundreds of people each place. I laid hands on this woman, and as I laid hands on her, her eyes rolled back in her head, and she fell in the floor, and white foam began to come out of her mouth. Well, you know, you don't need a discernment to know this woman's got a devil. Mm-hmm. I still had a huge line for me to pray for, so I got my pastor, Tony, and uh, Pastor Billy, and I said, come take care of her. They cast out seven devils. Well, let me tell you, that woman was so changed, being free, that her whole family came to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, we've been commanded to cast out demons. They're real. Our first trip to Guatemala, we had our first joy in Jesus in uh, Antigua in a little bed and breakfast. One of the team members came to me the second day and said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, what? She said, well, I was laying in bed and I looked up and this big old black blob of something just came over toward me. And it, I could tell it was going to try to get on top of me. And, and I said, what'd you do? And she said, I just said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That thing turned around and walked out. And I said, you didn't send it to my room, did you? She said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that's real. You got to deal with it. I could tell you some Africa war stories. But the point of the matter is we have authority. But we best be obedient to the Spirit of God. Now, the principles of walking in authority is this, and I've said it through the whole thing. Be submitted and led by the Holy Spirit. Be submitted to and led by the Holy Spirit. The next one is keep your heart pure. I can't emphasize that enough. Keep your heart pure. Do not give the devil a milli-inch of anything. Keep your heart pure. You have to be tenacious with that. I had a very a supernatural encounter with God. He told me two things. He said, keep your heart pure and listen to the voice of my spirit. Ladies, those two things will get you victory right there. It, it's a battle. We're in a war. Praise God, we're winning. But we're in a war. We're in a war to keep our hearts pure. We have opportunity every day. If you're breathing air on planet Earth, you have an opportunity every day to be offended, to be just whatever, to get into a wrong emotional state. And that is an opening for the enemy to come. So keep your heart pure. Know who you are. Guard the word in you. Watch your thoughts. Watch what you're thinking. Because the devil can interject thoughts into your head and they don't sound like the devil. You know, they don't go, yeah. You know, that's not the way the, <laughs> it's going to sound. It's going to sound like your own thoughts. But they're not your own thoughts. Watch what you're thinking. And any thought that is out of the will of God, deal with it immediately and deal with it ruthlessly until it's gone. Because thoughts turn into words. And words turn into behavior. And behavior will get you in trouble if it's not aligned with the Word of God. And, you know, I call it devil fishing. The devil throws the thought in there to see what you're going to do with it. If you deal with it immediately and ruthlessly, that little nasty thing is going to know you know who you are and how to beat him. So he's going to go find somebody else that doesn't know who they are. Wear the garment of humility. 
I firmly believe this is the biggest, most powerful weapon in our arsenal that God has given us, is the spirit of humility. I really do. I want that for myself. I want to be humble before the Lord. And anything I brag on, it's got to be God and not me. In fact, the Word of God says, Let not the strong man boast in his strength, nor the rich man in his riches, nor the wise man in his wisdom. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that they know their God. So I'm just going to boast on Jesus. He does it all. I just get to be the glove and he is the hand. That's the way we all are. But it's important the glove be submitted and in a humble heart.